Uh, our speaker is a, a friend of mine and a ministry associate. His name is Tim Totten. Tim is the youth pastor and associate pastor at Gibson City Bible Church. I've met with him several times over lunch and gotten to know him. And uh, it's just a privilege for him to uh, be with us speaking today. I want to introduce him to you very briefly uh, just by reading a bit of his, uh, his bio. Uh, Tim graduated uh, from Liberty University in 2011. He had uh, a Bachelor's of Science in Religion and specialized in Biblical Studies. Uh, he just recently finished up uh, graduate work with a Master's of Religious Education through Liberty University's Divinity School. Um, just a little bit of a, his background. He spent uh, several years in the Bahamas. Yes, in the Bahamas, but he was in ministry in the Bahamas. He taught at a Christian school, and he was a youth pastor there at a local church. Uh, and he started in 2014 uh, in his current role at uh, the Gibson City uh, Bible Church. So again, if you would uh, give your full attention to Tim uh, and uh, welcome him as you would me. Thanks, Tim. God bless. It's a privilege to be with you guys. Uh, and as Trey said, it's been great getting to know him over the past few years. Uh, we meet a lot at the Mexican place in Paxton uh, and just kind of get to know each other a little bit. Uh, you guys are blessed to have a guy like Trey uh, here with you all. Uh, but like I said, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Tim, as you have well heard. Uh, and basically what I want to do this morning is just spend a few minutes talking. I, I won't go long, uh, but I just want to share with you for a few minutes. And I want to offer you a challenge. Uh, and I want to offer you a challenge that is not original to me. Uh, it is not a challenge that I have come up with on my own. Uh, but it is a challenge that is very, very applicable to us today. Uh, the challenge is simply, it begins with this statement. Uh, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Uh, and we're going to look in just a few minutes uh, at the book of Joshua, uh, more specifically into this idea of the choice being yours. But just put that thought in your mind, even now. Like, the choice is mine. The choice is yours. You see, what I've found, uh, and, you know, Trey read through all that stuff. He talked about all the stuff that I've done. Uh, and really, it's only by the grace of God that I've been where I've been, and I've gone where I've gone, and I've had the opportunities that I've had. Uh, but something that I've found in the, the several years that I've spent serving the Lord in ministry and in church work and things like that, uh, something that I've found is this. People like choices. We like to make choices. We like to have choices. We like options to be available to us. But we don't so much like commitment. We like choices, but we don't like commitment quite as much. What do I mean by that? Uh, I want to give you a, a bit of a story. At the Bible Church in Gibson City, uh, a few years back probably two years ago, uh, we rearranged the way that we did like our Sunday school classes. Uh, and we did it, in, in essence, to give people options. We went from these classes that basically stayed together constantly uh, to going to topical classes. People could choose what class they wanted to go to based on the topic, based on the teacher, things like that. Uh, and overall, people like that idea. They like being able to choose where they want to go, what they want to do. Uh, on the flip side, something that I've found is this. Uh, when you go and you try and get people and say, look, I want you to commit to being in like a discipleship group or a class, and I want you to commit to being there every week for the next 13, 14, 15 weeks, it's a lot harder for people to make that full commitment. 
Because we want to go in and out as we please. We want to do as we please based on how we feel, based on how the weather is, based on what's going on outside, uh, whatever it might be. So I, I go back to our original statement, and, and I want to tell you that the choice is yours. But I want to challenge you to more than simply making a choice. I want to challenge you to make a commitment. To make a commitment. We're going to look at the book of Joshua, if you have your Bible, and, and it's going to be on the screen here. Uh, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is, uh, just to set the stage a little bit, Joshua was uh, the leader of Israel who succeeded Moses. He came after Moses. Uh, and Joshua really uh, was tasked with a great task. Joshua was the one who had the opportunity uh, and the privilege to lead the people of God into the land that he had promised them. Joshua had the task of being obedient to God, leading the people in to battle against armies and against nations so that they could receive the promise that God had made to the people. Uh, So it's fascinating for me when I look at the Bible and when I look at Scripture to look at the people of Israel and to look at Joshua and to look at the relationship that the people of Israel and Joshua have with God because there's so many parallels There's so many things in the Bible and there's so many things that the people of Israel struggled with and the people that the people of Israel went through that I go through today, that you go through today. This idea of making a choice, this idea of making a decision is something that Israel faced on a number of occasions. And we're going to read about one of those instances in just a second. But I look at the people of Israel and I see myself. And I look at the people of Israel, and I see the church today, globally, people that are faced with a decision to make. People that are faced with a choice. You see, we have so many choices. We have so many options in our world. We are spread so thin so many times. There's so many things going on. You you grow up, you have kids, you have a job. So you're constantly fighting for time between work, between family, between leisure activities, between recreation, between church, between God, between my spouse, between all these things. There's so many things fighting for our time that it's so hard to remain committed to one thing. It's so difficult to remain committed to one thing and one thing alone. I face this myself. I see this myself. How do I devote myself fully to my job and to my family? How do I devote myself fully to all these different things? Uh, and that's, that's something that we've got to figure out as a church, as a body of Christ, as a body of believers. We've got to wrestle with this question. What am I committed to? What choice have I made? Who have I decided to serve? And that's what leads us into the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. It's the last chapter in Joshua. Joshua, the leader of Israel, he's led the people to the promised land. They've been through so much. And Joshua is getting ready to die. This is his last farewell. This is his charge prior to his death. Uh, And I want to pick up in Joshua chapter 24 verse 14. Okay, Joshua twenty four fourteen. It's on the screen, so you can read it uh, if you don't have your Bible. And let's just read it together. Here's what it says. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. 
But as for me and my house, Joshua declares, we will serve the Lord. This is a bold statement. This is a bold challenge. Joshua here stands before the people of Israel and he says, Choose today who you're going to serve. Choose today who your God is going to be. Make that decision. This choice that the people of Israel faced thousands of years ago is the same choice that I face today and that you face today. Choose today who you're going to serve. The question uh, that kind of arises from this text, uh, as I read it and I think about it, uh, it's a bold statement. It's a big commitment that Joshua is calling these people to. It's not something that is able to be taken lightheartedly or should be taken lightheartedly. It is a commitment that will be life-changing. And it is a commitment that will require sacrifice and obedience. So I, I can't help but ask, as I look at this commitment and I look at uh, just the, the simple fact that it is not an easy commitment to make. And I think, how and where does Joshua get the right and the ability to call people to such a difficult commitment? Like, why... Why does Joshua see it as possible? Why does he see it as necessary to call the people of Israel to serving God and God alone? To be devoted to God and God alone? And then I think at the very beginning of verse 14, it says, Now therefore, okay, now therefore. And that what that does, that tells me I need to look back. I need to see what he's talking about. Why did Joshua get to this place where he says, serve the Lord. Choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What brings Joshua to this place of decision? What brings him to this place? Uh, we skipped 13 verses, and that's not your fault, that's mine. But we skipped 13 verses, and instead of reading them, I just want to kind of recap them for you, okay? I, I want to recap them for you. Because in Joshua chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, Joshua is giving uh, Israel, the people of Israel, he's going through their history. He's going back, looking at all that God has done for the people of Israel. You you read through it, and it's just fascinating to see all the things that God has done for the people of Israel. So so some of the things, if you're familiar uh, with the Old Testament or or with Old Testament Bible stories at all, you'll, you'll be familiar with some of the stories. But he starts with Abraham. And he starts with this guy named Abraham that God calls and God takes and God gives him this promise and he promises him land and he promises him descendants more than the stars and he promises him a a son and he starts and he talks about how God gives Abraham all of this good stuff and then he, he goes ahead and he talks about the exodus, the people of Israel enslaved in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh and God raises up Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they cross the Red Sea, the sea parts, they cross the Red Sea, and all of the Egyptians that chased after them are wiped out. God provides a way for his people. So so Joshua here is recounting these stories of God calling Abraham, of of Egypt, of of being led out of of the Exodus, uh, of going and, and defeating the Amorites, and of conquering as they're entering the Promised Land. And Joshua leads the people, and they go and they defeat Jericho, and they conquer kings, and they defeat nations. And Joshua is looking back and he's providing the people with this review of history and he's saying time and time again 
God has done good for you. Time and time again, God has provided a way. Time and time again, God has made it possible for you to be where you are. The verse, really, in all of chapter 24 of Joshua, the verse that I haven't been able to get off my mind is verse 13. Uh, And I don't have it on the screen, but if you have a Bible, look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 13. Because this verse, uh, like it... Really, it shakes who I am. And I had never, I've read it before, but until like this past week, I had never read it in the way that I did. And this is the last part that Joshua says prior to his charge for the people to fear the Lord and serve him. This is what he says. He says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them, and you're eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Why is that so significant? Joshua here, God here, is telling the people, I have given you somebody else's nation, somebody else's land, all that somebody else did, their hard work in planting those vineyards and those those groves and all that stuff. I have given that to you, and you did zero to accomplish it, zero to deserve it, zero to earn it. God took the people of Israel, and he gave them So much that they didn't deserve. And I read that verse and I can't help but think in my own life, in the future that awaits me as a follower of Christ, God has given me so much that I don't deserve. God has done so much for me that I don't deserve. And a land awaits me as a follower of Christ that I did nothing to earn. And I'm going to live in a house that I did not build. And I'm going to eat a food that I did not plant. Why? Because God is gracious to his people. Because God cares for his people. And it is because God is gracious to his people. And it is because God cares for his people. That we are faced with the challenge Joshua challenges the people of Israel with. It is because God has done so much that Joshua sees it not only as possible and necessary, but as absolutely, absolutely something that they must take hold of and they must pursue wholeheartedly. You see, the people of Israel when they went and they conquered all these lands, they were constantly faced with other gods, right? They would come and there would be pagan nations and they would worship false gods and idols. And they constantly came across false gods. They constantly came across idols. And they were constantly faced with these decisions. Like, who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve God? Or am I going to serve Baal? Or whatever other false god there might have been. They were constantly faced with these choices. Who are we going to serve? And Joshua here, he makes a case, he makes a call, he makes a cry to the people, serve the Lord and him alone. The interesting thing about this passage is Joshua just doesn't tell the people, serve the Lord and him alone. If you look back at the verses that we read, it's interesting. Joshua says this, serve the Lord. Okay, He calls them to serve the Lord. But then he says this, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose who you're going to serve. 
Choose this day who you will serve, whether it's going to be the gods that your father served behind the, beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites. Joshua wants the people to stop being like a little bit over here and a little bit over here and a little bit over here. Joshua is saying, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve somebody else? Are you going to serve God or if not God, if not the God of the Bible, if not the God that has done all this stuff for you, which God are you going to serve? God constantly provides for the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament. God constantly does things for the people of Israel and he demands their obedience. He demands their allegiance. He demands their all. But he doesn't force their hand. They have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? Who are you going to serve? The story continues, and we're not going to read it all, but the story continues, and the people basically respond to Joshua. They respond to the charge to serve the Lord, and they say, yes, we will serve the Lord. Uh, And then Joshua actually responds back to the people, and basically he says, you can't, okay? Joshua, it's crazy. Joshua gives these people this big charge, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Choose this day who you're going to serve. I'm going to serve the Lord. My house is going to serve the Lord. The people respond and say, yes, we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua responds right back to the people and says, you can't. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Joshua, I think, it, there's a debate over why he said that, when he said that. But, but uh, we read it, and it really seems like Joshua is really challenging the people and saying, you've got to recognize, like, you've made decisions like this in the past. Time and time again, you have said, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, you think back to like the golden calf incident, right? Like you got in trouble and all this stuff. You were worshiping this golden calf. You got rid of it finally. And you said, we're going to serve the Lord. And here you are again serving other gods. It's this crazy cycle that the people of Israel faced. They said, we're going to serve the Lord. And then they did for a while. And then time went on and suddenly they stopped. So here they are saying, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua says, you can't. And then they respond again, no, we want to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And finally, Joshua's like, okay, you're going to serve the Lord. If you're going to serve the Lord, then put every other God away. Get rid of them all. So they say, okay, we'll do it. And they actually go and they set up this stone underneath an oak tree. And Joshua says, this stone is going to be a witness of what has happened here today. This stone that we're going to set up in front of the, under this oak tree is going to be a witness against us. And it's going to remind us of the time that we stood here together and we said, yes, we will serve the Lord. So when we look at this rock, we'll remember the commitment that we made. And they do it. And at the end of chapter 24, it goes on and it says that Israel served the Lord all of the days of Joshua. As long as Joshua was alive, Israel served the Lord. And that's great and that's good. But then you continue reading through Israel's history. And you know what happens? They hit this cycle again. They served the Lord for a while then they turn away from him. And then something bad happens, and then they cry out to him and say, God, we need you. And he comes, and he, he, he rescues them, and he helps them, and he's there for them. Uh, and then they recommit and say, we're going to serve you. And it's just this cycle, this cycle of being, yes, committed, then kind of strain, and then something bad. And then, yes, God, we need you, and we want to serve you. And it's just this crazy cycle. And really what it is, what it shows me, is it's an incredible picture of God's grace. 
It's an incredible picture of the fact that God constantly shows mercy to his people. He constantly gives us things that we don't deserve. And he constantly provides for us, even though our commitment is lacking. Even though we say we're going to serve him, but we don't ever open up our Bible and our time at home is spent watching Netflix, you know, like, and not that that's bad, but the question that we face, well, we don't face like the God of the Amorites, right? Like we don't face Baal. Like we're not sitting here faced with all these idols to worship. Uh, perhaps you are. I don't know. I don't know much about Cisna Park, but uh, perhaps you are. Uh, but like, I don't know of many people like in East Central Illinois that are like pushing like Buddha on you and like things like that. Uh, Our gods look a lot different than the gods of the Amorites. Our gods look a lot different than the gods that the Israel faced. Our gods, maybe they're like ourselves. Maybe they're our families. Maybe they're our kids. Like my God is that I want my kid to achieve everything that I didn't achieve, right? Like I want my kid to be that star athlete. Or that great actor or actress that goes and makes a lot of money. My idol is my house or my car or my material things. Those are the gods that we face here in America. My career. There's a guy, there's, there's a, an elder at our church uh, who helps us with the youth group. And he, he works down in Champaign and he sells stuff. Uh, he, he tells me time and time again, he works his tail off. He's constantly working. But he tells me time and time again, he, work, he says, I work more now than I've ever worked in my life. I spend more time working than I've ever spent in my life. Because he's got a boss, maybe, that pushes that on him. But what I've found more and more is that people are becoming owned by their work. People are becoming owned by their kids and their activities. And when somebody is owned by something, it provides a glimpse into where they might be spiritually. Because if I'm owned by my desire to make more money and to work more hours, and if I'm owned by my desire to make my kids the best athletes there are in the entire East Central Illinois, like if I'm owned by just all of these things so that like I can gain and grow myself and my popularity and my good looks or whatever it might be, like if I'm owned by that, then God doesn't have my heart. Then my heart is not committed to serving the Lord because I'm serving those things. So what do we do? Like what does it look like? How do we get out of this this crazy cycle where We go through these spiritual highs and lows and like when things get bad and somebody gets sick, we turn to God and we cry out to him and we pray. Or when we've got the big decision coming up and we don't know what to do, we turn to God and we pursue God. But then when everything is good, God suddenly like gets put on the back burner and we just kind of wait and we just kind of wait for the next bad thing or wait till the next time that we need him. God is not asking for that. Like God doesn't just want to be this guy that we call when we've got struggles or when things aren't going good. God wants our everything. God wants your everything. He wants your full, your undivided, your, your total loyalty, your total commitment to him. And he wants mine. He wants yours and he wants mine. And the thing is, All that God is asking for is that we respond with the same loyalty that he has shown to us. How many times have you turned your back on God? How many times have you turned your back on God? 
You see, the story of my life, I, I talked to a guy on the phone the other day. I was talking to him about something. And he asked me about my faith and just kind of, um, you know, what my story was. Uh, and, and what I tell people is this. Like, I grew up, I was privileged to grow up in a home with parents who were believers. Uh, and that didn't save me, but it definitely gave me an in, right? Like, it definitely gave me the right start, the right foundation. Uh, so I placed my faith in Christ at a young age. I, you know, I knew that I needed Jesus. I knew that I was a sinner. So I placed my faith in Christ at a young age. Uh, and, and over 20 years now, I've been a follower of Christ. I've been a Christian. Uh, and in that time... I have looked like Israel so much because I have constantly turned my back. I have pursued my own desires. I have gone after the things that I want to do. I have served other gods in the form of wanting more money, in the form of wanting to be the cool guy, in the form of, you know, whatever it is, wanting to grow myself. I have served the God of self way too much. But what I found is this. I gave my heart to Christ 20 plus years ago. And he is still my Savior and my Lord today. Even though I've failed time and time again, God has been faithful. God is loyal. God was faithful to the people of Israel, despite the fact that they constantly, that they constantly broke his heart, for lack of a better term, that they constantly turned their backs on him. So what does this mean for you and me? We have to ask ourselves this question. I had a discussion three or four days ago with our pastor at the Bible Church in Gibson City. Uh, and he was asking me what I was going to talk about here, and I kind of told him. Uh, and we had this little discussion about, like, you know, I'm going to challenge the people. I'm going to look at Joshua's challenge to serve the Lord, be fully devoted to him. Uh, and he said, what does that look like? What does it look like for somebody to serve the Lord and him alone? Uh, and I told him that I don't have time to really go through all that. So that's Trey's job, I think. Um, but here's my goal this morning. Here's my goal. My goal is to get you to ask this question. Who am I serving? Who are you serving? Because I know this. You know whether or not you're serving the Lord. You know whether, you're, whether or not your heart is devoted to God and God alone. You know you see, somebody can be fully devoted to following Christ and still sin and still mess, mess up and still struggle with things. But where is your heart? Where is your desire? What are you pursuing? You know if you're pursuing your own ambitions. So ask yourself that question this morning. Ask yourself that question because the Christian life is a journey. It is a journey, but that journey has to start with this question. Who am I serving? Am I committed to God and God alone? Or am I committed to pursuing other gods? Am I com- committed to pursuing my own desires, myself? Am I committed to just my spouse? I'm going to do everything that my spouse wants me to do. And I'm going to serve her and her alone uh, with no regard to God. And here's the thing, though. When I'm fully committed to God and I'm fully committed to Him alone, it's going to make me serve my spouse better. It's going to make me a better worker at my company. It's going to make me a better dad. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about you? What about your family? Dads, it's Father's Day, right? You know, it's Father's Day. Dads, like, it starts with you a lot of times. Who will you serve? Who will your kids serve? I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And more now than ever, 
Am I recognizing how much they look at what I do and how much they copy what I do and how much they repeat what I say? So my wife and I have had to learn, like, we've got to be careful what we say around the kids. We've got to be careful what we put on the TV, whether it's even just the news and, like, there's something bad, bad going on. Like, our kids are more and more recognizing and following after what we do. So I am now challenged, like, am I going to serve the Lord? Because if I serve the Lord... I'm going to be setting an incredible example for my two-year-old and my four-year-old that they will grow and they will see what it looks like to be fully devoted to God. Where are you? Where are you? Are you serving Him or are you serving yourself? Or are you serving Him or are you serving the God of material things or the God or the idol of work? Where are you spiritually? Who are you serving? Serve Him and Him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for our time together. Thank You for uh, the story that we find throughout Scripture, Joshua, uh, that we learn about just Your grace and Your mercy to Your people. Uh, and the fact that uh, because You have done so much for us, uh, You are deserving of our awe. You are deserving of our everything. As we go Help us to just be burdened with this question of where am I spiritually? Who am I serving? Am I serving you or am I serving myself or another God? Lord, help us to be real and to ask ourselves that question. Help us to ask our families, our spouses, that same question. Who are we serving? And Lord, help us to commit to serving you and you alone. In Jesus' name.